Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Hello, hello, and welcome, or should I say welcome back to the Indie Football Podcast, uh, rising above the noise as ever. And it's, uh, I guess, the end of the season guys uh and because it's the end of the season i've got a full house with me to my left chief sports writer of the independent it's jonathan lou whoa how's it going um yes very good thank you thank you for asking um to my right it's miguel delaney chief football writer of the independent hi after morning actually yeah i mean that, you shouldn't <laughs> struggle so much with the basic greeting <laughs> uh and we've also got jack mcbrook who is uh here to tell us about how many times he watched the royal wedding this weekend uh, twi- well, once live and then the extended highlights again on Sunday. Yeah. Genuinely sick of me. You shouldn't be having a fun today. And with, with, you know, the big festivities of the weekend, um, Miguel and Johnny didn't enjoy uh, the royal wedding. Uh, Jack watched it twice. I watched it once. Um, I, d- I did not not enjoy it. I just didn't, um, I didn't watch it. Yeah. It might have been very enjoyable, but I've never been, never really been. Wa- like Diana's funeral. Do you know Diana's funeral? Boring. Boring. Less, less, I mean, I could understand... <laughs> why you'd go to a wedding <laughs> more than going to a I was 11 years old it's not it's not great kids entertainment I I, I walked out after but about not, 10 minutes to, to play championship manager do you not remember the thing with that was that I was like channel when she when Diana died very huge segue early doors channels 1, 2 and 3 suddenly became pure like uh, news television and channel 4 was just full of kids shows and it was mm. like channel 4 had ropey kids shows because it didn't have the rights to all the good ones it had like okie doke um, like the tweenies you know, not really like the the high grade Teletubby stuff. We're not talking Blue Peter. Not even Nickelodeon level. No, no, no. Well, Cartoon I Network in the early days. Yeah, didn't didn't have Sky as a kid. I always wanted Cartoon Network. Mm. I had to watch that at IKEA uh, when Mum was shopping. Anyway, uh, huge segue early doors, but um, from from one event where where inexplicably devoted fans lined up to watch <laughs> uh, a match between two parties, both familiar with uh, divorce, uh, you know, participate in. A, rel- a meaningless relic from the past. Some yes, might say. very original joke format. Thank, there thank, thanks, Henry. Uh, <laughs> thanks, Henry. Saw so no tweets one. along those lines on Saturday yeah, whatsoever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so the FA Cup final, uh, yeah. in which if you haven't heard, um, I've got some news for you. Manchester United lost to Chelsea. Uh, the score was one 0 Interesting that you went to Manchester United lost rather than Chelsea won. Bias. Uh, yes. Agenda. Um, well, I think uh, Chelsea. Don't feel like they've won. Willian uh, is my favourite person <laughs> in all of this. Um, in case you were under any illusions as to how some of the squad feel about Antonio Conte, they're now departing, in brackets, question mark manager. Uh, Willian posted a picture of them all celebrating with um, the manager starred out, I guess. I don't know how else you'd say yeah, it. Yeah. By, so he, blocked by out trophies. by trophies. Yeah. yeah, so he kind of, he would have, um, once he had the photo on his story, he would have then swiped up to bring up all the emojis and then he selected the trophy emoji and he has like re- re- step by step. He's yeah, resized it three times, so it's big enough if you put them one on top of the other to, to block out Italian all one. of An- all of Antonio Conte on the photograph of the whole Chelsea squad celebrating. And he's dotted a few other trophies around, so it looks like it might be on ac- yeah. by accident. But of course, it isn't by accident. But, but, but not, you can't pass that off as an accident. How, how, how do you? How do you? How do you, would you say uh, Willian's Instagram game compares to yours? Uh, well, he's got more followers than me. But 
fewer uh, gym selfies. Yeah, maybe. I mean, yeah. I I would. I think it's a great idea. Actually, I think next time I've got a photo with us, I'm going to block out at our boss <laughs> <laughs> with emojis. Uh, could, could he not be saying <laughs> our manager is pure trophies? Yeah, 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 yeah. he's yeah. pure. He's, he's a, a winner. serial winner. Serial winner. Yeah, as Gunday professor. What emoji would you use though? Uh, the banter emoji. <laughs> Which one Laptops? is the banter emoji? Laptops. Yeah, the the man behind the laptop. Okay, the man, yeah. yeah. Um, William actually left the stadium very early as well. Uh, he was he was there was just footage of him like I think this is before half six something like that. The footage of him in it get into a car outside. Before so, half six, the game's yeah. still going on. Oh, not half six. Oh, sorry, before I was thinking of a three o'clock kickoff. Yeah, like we didn't <laughs> even see him come to the mix zone. Yeah. He was uh, I mean, you. I mean, you guys, you two were there. Um, Overall thoughts of the game, just awful. I think terrible. It's the worst game I've been to this season. It picked up a little bit in the second half. Um, and, w- and why was it so bad? It's just so dreary. I mean, it was kind of the worst of both teams. Actually, I wouldn't say the worst of Chelsea because what did strike me is even though uh, Conte played very defensively and counter-attacking, you could see this wasn't like the poorest Chelsea of the last few months. Like. In every single challenge, you could see how committed the players. Like there's real conviction, and again, like there's a debate, I suppose, whether that's down to the circumstances. I, from what I'd heard, throughout the Chelsea camp over the week, there was a real lot of personal pride here. They wanted to make up for the season. I think that came across. Um, but as a, as a slight tangent from that, after the game on his Mondays, Conte wanted to make a few points, and there's been I suppose there's been this whole debate about how Chelsea play, uh, and apparently some of the, some of the players want to play more attacking football. And Conte intimated in his Monday briefing to the, to the journalists, and he thought about this a fair bit, so he wanted to say it, uh, that uh, they say play attacking football, but with this squad you have to play defensive football or something along those lines. And I think that's... So it, it, I suppose the intimation is that one of the reasons maybe that he's uh, almost certainly about to leave is, uh, among everything, among all the difficulty of transfers, is that maybe a certain style is demanded of him, but he obviously feels that if he, want, if a, if he wants to play a certain style, then give him the players for it. Yeah, I mean, it's like kind of Hazard and ten others, wasn't it? Yeah, like there's. No, I mean, the the fact that they've they've gone to playing an Arsenal cast off as their main centre forward yeah. in the cup final instead of the guy they spent seventy million pounds on beating yeah. United to last summer says a lot about you know about the type of players they've been able to sign. Yeah. I thought it was an okay game. I mean, I, I wasn't I wasn't there. I was kind of watching it slightly tipsy. Might have something to do with it um, through like a sea of heads. But I thought in terms of. Uh, Terrible cup finals. It really wasn't a patch on 2007, I think, which was the first one at Wembley. That was United Chelsea 1 0 as well. Yeah. I, was, I was in Boston that day, didn't watch it. I, I, so it was an absolute, like, the worst cup final I've seen in my was life. It's kind of the problem that you get with the FA Cup nowadays is that because it matters so much less than the Premier League, like, if and because generally speaking, the teams in it are teams who would be competing for the mm. Premier League. Like there's kind of it didn't really feel like there's anything at stake yesterday. Yeah. Obviously, it's a big day out for the fans, but for the players themselves and for the kind of the broader narratives about the team, it doesn't really matter who although, won. Or although lost. weirdly now, now that they've lost it, it feels a lot worse for United because of right, yeah. Because actually, to a degree, it was almost a kind of a referendum on United season that way. And you, even it would have the been a they, kind of like a fig leaf, but now they don't yeah, even have the fig leaf. Yeah, exactly. But also, what it said about it, I mean, I think in generally kind of United, it's a weird season, United. They're second, they've ostensibly made progress, but it doesn't feel they haven't. Uh, and there's been so many flat performances, bar five big games in a row, where they won them all and they came back in a few of them, one against Chelsea, one in the FA Cup against Spurs. And and then there was, of course, the City game as well. And like I suppose one of the feelings was that Mourinho had instilled this resolve in the team, and but it still needed them to go behind 
yeah. to bring out the best in them. But you can't keep relying on that. And this was kind of, you know, the, it kind of evened out in a way. They went behind, and this time, like, well... And even in the second half, when they were dominating, they didn't really look like... They were just ch- chucking the ball into the box. They yeah. never really looked like doing anything. The first half, they were all over the place. They Obviously, they, they missed Lukaku, mm. hitting lots of long balls, no shape. Um, yeah, I thought they were they were really, really poor. Yeah. Very predictable. Very Their, their lines are, are incredibly like unsubtle like Sanchez will get the ball and he'll do that thing where he little he cuts inside is he going to dink one to the far post yes he is yeah, yeah. I, I think uh, you're talking about Chelsea being defensive one of the, uh, you know Conte is for me one of the I think he's one of the best coaches in, yeah. in Europe in terms of what he can do I don't think he is an attacking or a defensive coach where you know there are lots of coaches where you, you define yeah. them as one or the other well, I think he's very good at adapting his game yeah. to the situation I agree with that but I think he, he sees himself as actually an attacking manager he, like his ideal if he had the players would be to play the high, high pressing got, yeah. play the game on your terms but he feels that with what he's got at Chelsea he has to adapt and, and we'll say he can which he, well, he won the title but we've seen him do it we've seen him win in different ways which I think is the sign of a very yeah. good coach um and, and on on this occasion, it, it was defensive, and it was kind of if they if we can stop them scoring. But I guess they they know Mourinho, they know what Mourinho's football's like. If we can just <laughs> Hazard himself said it on the when we interviewed him on the Tuesday in the mixer in the Chelsea training ground, and, you know, <laughs> we know what Mourinho will do. Yeah, it, you know, United didn't have, and we talked about this literally all season on the podcast. United don't have any sort of ingrained attacking coaching that, yeah. that tells people what to do it, it's basically work it out yeah. uh, when you're in advanced positions that's obviously not the case when you watch teams like Manchester City but this is how uh, Mourinho wants to do it and there were a lot of times especially towards the second half when they're 1-0 down where they're in the opposition half and they've got the ball and everyone's just stood still and the ball's getting passed around and I just felt like this is this has been the whole problem yeah. all season and, it, and it's, it's not going to change unless Jose Mourinho is an incredibly stubborn man. Suddenly decides, oh, actually, I do need to coach but some I, attacking football. I do need to hire maybe an assistant coach who specialises in this or something along those lines. One of the primary issues with Mourinho, and to be honest, this isn't exclusive to Mourinho. I think it's it's the case with almost every manager, bar Alex Ferguson. Uh, but maybe Mourinho's personality makes it more pronounced. He's had such success and is so kind of proud of that success. Then that he can't deviate. He he he's still fundamentally he still wants my, my way is the right way. So there's this kind of stubbornness to it almost. Yeah, it's what we saw with Wenger. Yeah. It's like the it's the path that almost it's kind of the it, it it's the path that all managerial careers follow, yeah. with the exception of Sir Alex Ferguson. Um, you know, you once an idea is successful, why would you then deviate yeah. from it? Of course you're gonna kinda of keep hammering He's the same 55. idea. He's fifty five. Fifty five year olds don't generally change their entire you know, world view. Uh, but that's it, you know, they they, they get outdated. Diego Simeone is the Mourinho 2.0 he's it's a brilliant defensive coach but he's got more to it yeah, at the yeah. end of the day you know and father time is undefeated these uh phases will come and go and if you don't adapt and that is the the great success of Ferguson was that he could adapt and he could bring in new assistants that gave him new ideas yeah. and he you know and he changed things around um i guess we should talk about Conte and his future what do yeah. we think uh, i mean it seems almost certain that he he will depart. We better get a move on because yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's almost. By the time you listen to this podcast, he could well be gone. It's a bit of a standoff, though. He doesn't. Uh, have, as we discussed, yeah. we discussed this last week. Didn't yeah, we? yeah, yeah. He doesn't have a better job to go into. They don't have a better replacement. There's the financial issue. I not No one wants to blink first. If Chelsea sack him, they have to pay him more. He's not, he doesn't want to walk away from money. So, and if he wants face to face meetings with the boss, then he's not going to be able to do it in London. Uh, not for the moment. Uh, Roman's moment. currently uh, outside the country. But what what, what did you think of that story actually? 
Uh, I mean, I was, it was on the front page of a lot of the papers, including the Times I, uh, this morning. I, I basically the Home Office, in my experience, is uh, incredibly slow, inept, and opaque. So I don't know if this is a political thing or if this is just the Home yeah. Office. Being the Home Office. I mean, we've got to remember they uh, literally just deported a load of British-born citizens mm. for no apparent reason other than the fact they were black. So uh, it's not necessarily for me tied in with the politics, but we know they are going to take a closer look at some of the, the Russian links, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, do, do do we really think, though, that the Home Office is capable of of you know enacting geopolitical policy when it can't really... Yeah. It doesn't yeah, even know who it's got. idiots, yeah. No, uh, I... I was somewhat surprised to see it given so much. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I I thought a lot of the headlines. This might be unfair in them that the word "yet" was missing. If you know what I mean. So like, a lot he's of not the, yet has his yeah, reader in you. Barred from the UK. Hasn't yeah, he? yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. What I would say is that if somebody in like high up in the in the UK government said, right, Abra- to sort Abramovich his visa, it would be done. Yeah. Fairly quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it would, I mean, it would be inter- It would what would be a big story and be interesting is if they just if they didn't let him back in full stop. I mean, that would be a huge, a huge yeah. moment for. Or for they made him. They chance. made him get in the really long queue. Don't don't <laughs> yeah. don't don't let me use the e passport gates and make him get in the really long queue. Yeah. And and then you know go, make him go through the red gate. Well, the the e passport gate is often it, it's slower for me. No, mate. Yeah. Until you've until you've gone in like the non EU queue. Okay, right, I, right, I, right. I regularly have to go in the non EU queue. Because yeah, because uh, and it's just a disaster. It's like it is so slow. Electronic passport. It's the electronic passport thing is much much better. Oh, it's not great. It's, it's not great. Much, the much of it's, it's a bit potluck. Because the amount of times it Miguel, do you have a kind of like? I imagine you have a, a sort of tatty, worn out, overused passport which you don't really take good care of, and maybe the kind of like. Well, he's got a photo of himself in it. <laughs> <laughs> the laminated, like plasticky bit, no, which you need to scan through, has maybe gone a bit worn out. He doesn't take over his passport, obviously. A glorious Irish passport with a harp on it. Have you got a Spanish one as well. Yeah. Oh, that's just brags, isn't it? Do you use yeah. both? Yeah, and no, I use I use the Irish one because I suppose you get kind of addicted to uh, having all the stamps and um, yeah. You know, I recently well, got some people all do. the good stamps are gone. So. Sorry, am I actually is it is, it, is it legal to have both? Oh, it is, of course. Yeah, yeah, probably. <laughs> uh, and, and if it isn't, you just said it on a podcast. So uh, <laughs> there's a Home Office van coming around your street right now saying "Go home." <laughs> yeah, they just you know just check the skin's the right shape. Yeah. Um, I think. With Conte leaving, possibly leaving, um, at some point we'll have to talk about his replacement. But I guess by the time that really gets going, we'll all be in full Champions League mode. What, uh, what about Leonardo? Who would, you, who would you like to see and who do you expect to see? I'd like to see Sarri because I think the football will be really good and he'll be interesting. I don't want to lose Enrique. Uh, I don't think he's that good a manager. He's a complete arse to deal with. Yeah, I don't really want to go to his press conference and be berated for um Jardim... Good football, but dull. Although, interesting, if Jardim happens, was he used as Chester or someone else? That it could be then Wenger to Monaco. Yeah, v- Monaco tried to get Wenger back back when they were throwing huge amounts of money around, like 2013, mm. 2014. Uh, in a sense, it would be a perfect job for him because it's quite a low-pressure job. Quite romantic. Very well. low-pressure job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, probably Monaco have as many fans as could fill the Emirates. Like in entirety, like he, how, he, how many Monaco he, fans he'll are? He'll be used to that from last season, though. Oh, wait. Uh, but he'll finish fourth. He'll get him into top four. Do you not think Wenger would be more suited to the Michael Emanalo at Monaco role, the technical director? No, nah, he. Or do he, you he, think he, he still he, wants he, to be a manager? He's, he's still hands on. He, he still sees himself as being a manager, yeah. which might be like maybe he shouldn't be, but that is what he wants to yeah. do. And I, 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 I'm sure he will go in. He will continue doing what he wants to do yeah. just because he wants to do it. Would be delightful to see him go to Monaco and then win the league ahead of. 
Tuchel, PSG, Neymar, mm. the, the whole billion dollar band. Um, but I guess we'll have to see. Any preferences for Chelsea? Yeah. Uh, I'd like to see Marcelo Bielsa, but it's not going to happen. No, that would be great. So I'll, 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 I don't know, I guess it, it'll probably be somebody boring like, like Jardim or, or Unai Emery or, or you know, Enrique or just one of these. V- v- Wenger is actually the correct answer to this question. Yeah. Wenger. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wenger. <laughs> Second place, Louis van Gaal. <laughs> <laughs> Those would be the two best ones for me. Uh, but realistically, I think Jardim, yeah, I'd say Jardim Mossari, for, like yeah. footballistically. But Chelsea have shown that you can virtually plug anyone else in there and they're going to do all right. There's not many managers do, that have been do, put in there. But there, but there is yeah, a they'll do all right, but they won't do as well as they've done on the Conte. Yeah. Uh, they uh, won't uh, replace, you can't yeah. replace Conte with anyone half as good. I think they're on a little bit of a precipice now. and They're in the danger of becoming a team that is fourth to sixth rather than first to third a lot. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, you're yeah. talking about the tears a couple yeah. of weeks ago, and also because like their their squad's getting older, it's not apparent that they're going to sp- like spend the hundreds mm. of millions of pounds they need so to to refresh it. La- someone told me last week they'll have a they'll likely have a lower budget than Spurs this summer, and then they've got um, well they missed the Champions League, and Hazard might want to try somewhere else. Yeah, like their mod, like basically the Chelsea model of relaunching themselves mm. every two or three years with a new manager. Like that to do that, you need a lot of really experienced players who can kind of get up yeah. every every time. But as their squad kind of gets worse, and particularly if they were to lose Azad or Courtois, then like the the benefit of having a relaunch every year or two isn't going to be as effective. Yeah, well, I was pleasantly surprised by how frank Hazard was about all this on yeah. Tuesday. When like you know, it's my last contract. Was he? <laughs> Let's see who we sign. And then his other line is, you know, how do you explain the season? This is Chelsea. When <laughs> <laughs> you your star player, kind of, like, like, you're just admitting to the inherent yeah, <laughs> erraticness yeah. of your club. There seems to be a real leadership vacuum as well. I mean, the the players that have been there long enough to to step up into into that, that, that those kind of roles, uh, you know, I think like Courtois or, or Willian, they're, they're not or Kante even. They're not the sort of characters that are gonna that are gonna take a you know a dressing room and speak for a dressing room. There there, it, there is an increasing argument though that those sort of players exist less and less now. Yeah. And this, this is the frustration Wenger and Mourinho have had. Because Quite millennials. Uh, even beyond millennials, I'd say now. But like David Luiz was a leader in that squad, yeah. in that dressing room, and he was completely sidelined by Conte. I think there is a chance for, under a new manager, if it, you kind of, if Cahill and David Luiz and co can refine their voice, it doesn't necessarily have to be a dead dressing room. You know, I think it's uh, salvageable, is how I describe it. I'm just... Uh, I'm not sure if, if they do a full reboot sort of thing, if they bring in a new guy. And like, one of those decisions I think that will tell us a lot about which direction they want to go in is whether they just cash in on Ruben Loftus-Cheek or if they try and integrate him. Yeah. Mm. Um, because they still haven't integrated anyone from the academy during the Abramovich era, uh, really. And they've got a load of good players there. And mm. it's, if you can, a part of the reason that they've never integrated them, I guess, is because they cycle through these managers every two or three yeah. years, and every new manager comes in and wants, oh, I want to bring in Zappa Costa and like, all these rando players that are going to play for two years and then get sold on or sent out known to Fiorentina, you know, Quadrado and all the other guys. So, like, well, you, if Conte leaves, what are Zappa Costa and Emerson Palmieri there? Like, basically, kind of, they'll go with him, but they'll go with him as part of his coaching staff. <laughs> you know, if. If Sarri or Jardim come in, they're going to want certain players. That's just how it works. Um, and you do worry for the younger players. I guess Christensen has kind of been integrated now. Um, yeah, but they could have played, like, the team wouldn't have been any worse if they played Aki and Chalaba this year. Mm. Obviously, Chalaba was unlucky with that. He got a knee injury after about three games to Watford. But he's, 
you know, he's better playing well, than Bakayoko. The incredible stat about Akeem. Five and a half million. Having, uh, he won heard, Player heard, of the Month at Bournemouth for like heard, seven out of nine months. Heard that on a rival podcast, yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, did you? Yeah, yeah. You've been yeah. listening to rival podcasts? I have, actually. Well, you know, you've got to... You've got to you've got I actually, the only rival podcast I listen to is Second Captains. But that's not technically rival because it's Irish, maybe? They're, they're the UK ones are never They're like a cousin. Yeah, you can't get podcasts internationally. On principle. But apart from Chelsea... Man United will stick with Mourinho, I guess, but this summer well, likely uh, to again be one of those. Well, just w- I mean, does this whole argument about whether Mourinho's third season thing is a myth? Third season, third season. Sorry, you know, it's yeah, they well, did have a third season, oh, yeah. correct? But um, racism, scatology. But but if you wanted to set up all the circumstances for Mourinho to have a third season meltdown, this will be it. Like, like, Co- it's, it's, it's all there. Gone. Only if Conte stayed, maybe. Well, um, would be slightly better. No, no, because because I suppose the the you now he, he doesn't even have to. He's not even coming off the back of a title, in the sense that that kind of to a degree always vindicated his methods and the intensity that kind of burns out players. Whereas now, just that squad. Okay, it's not, it's not obviously not coming close. off a major tournament. Yeah, a lot of players coming off a major tournament. Asking for a lot of players. There's, there's a lot of the start of next season. Not they dis- used to have dregs. Not disgruntlement, but there's disquiet among that United squad. And sort of like, and even, even the way he's irritated. It's even in, in, in the space of two weeks, he's gone from Lukaku being seen as one of his most important players, one of the few players he trusts on, and now he's irritated with Lukaku because he, you know, he, he, he wasn't he wasn't fit in time. Yeah, exactly. Um, but he's been frozen out. But <laughs> it feels like the only player he likes is Madich. Classic disruptive leadership. Yeah. And and, but, and that doesn't last, uh, and that, that that's why I think that the third season thing isn't a myth at all. I think it's. So do you, do you think we're going to have a Mourinho season next season? Like a full Mourinho. I, I'm season? sure. I'm sure. I couldn't see anything as bad as Chelsea. And and there was so much. Do you think it'll be more of a, of a Real Madrid third season? Yeah, yeah. I think they like. Well, they probably they could still qualify Champions League, but uh, what could it be worse than the Moyes season? Well, what's the floor for this Man United team? The ceiling is probably second because I think Guardiola's team will be too good again. The evidence of the Mourinho season, season yeah. is that like, things, our idea of a floor is in fact, uh, like basically Mourinho can plunge through what we think is but the do you, floor. Do you not think Man United's team. floor is just inherently higher than Chelsea's? Like they've, they, they've got a, such yeah, I, I agree. a depth of but time. No, uh, I think if Pochettino or Conte is in charge of that United squad, they're finishing closer to City and running them. Yeah, closer. completely. If, if one of us was in charge of Manchester United, where would they finish? Relegation. You think? <laughs> you think? I mean, ultimately they'd go, who, who is this clown? That, yeah. would, <laughs> that would immediately create problems. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I, I'd say... They'd, they'd be probably alarmed that a manager of no experience <laughs> had been put in charge. Yeah, yeah. But once they got over that, yeah. I, I'm probably getting them top five. Win, win them round. Yeah. Win, yeah. But I, I think the, the floor for this, for this United side, unlike the... The, the, that that Chelsea side, which uh, was kind of shocking, but I, I I think like a disastrous season for United would probably end up with them finishing fifth or sixth. It's fifth, the line is that the Champions League line is is anything below fourth is a disaster. Ooh. But the, the other the other thing is it do, it wouldn't take a lot for them to drop. You know, it's what like six or seven points, and they're and they're yeah. at the top four. W- would you take away those chips, like Moisey did? Have they got the chips back though? I think they have. Yeah, I'd reinst- I'd reinstate the chips. It's like a Jose move. I'd, I'd mm. reinstate the chips and then take them away. Really, like a few weeks Shred later, as, as, as a kind of yeah, as yeah. a kind of power move. Would you let them use uh, phones in the dressing room? Yeah. Well, h- how else are you going to contact people? <laughs> There's some thought you need to be concentrated on the game. Yeah. Uh, it's a manager to manager thing, isn't it? Yeah. I think 
if you, oh, did, you see, did you see Mick McCarthy's uh, point in his good interview with uh, Ian Ladyman? Oh, I didn't read that. Go, uh, McCarthy, and who McCarthy, I suppose, would be considered old school. He said, "There's no point taking the phones off young players these mm. days because they've just grown up with them. They're, it's part of themselves. It's their toy." And I suppose the implication was it would be more of a negative effect to take them. It's like take it away. Well, I'd be interested to see where Mick lands next um, as a complete side. I like Mick. Um, or a decent, decent level champo job, I guess. Um, we probably should move on to the Champions League final uh, because, because a bad season from Mourinho could get worse. Yes, it could. Um, because as well as Guardiola winning, uh, Conte beating him in the cup final, him winning absolutely nothing himself, him falling out of all of his players. If Jurgen Klopp and Liverpool were to beat Real Madrid in the Champions League final, it would be disastrous for Jose Mourinho. But this is not about Jose Mourinho. This is about. Liverpool and Real Madrid, so... It's a little bit about Jose Mourinho. <laughs> <laughs> As United fans will tell us after this, yeah. Everything. 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 Liverpool are the outsiders, I think it's fair to say. Real Madrid going for the historic three in a row. You're going to write this week for us um, but the what that would mean. Um, what? Where? You know, the, the incredible level of dominance that... Real Madrid side have had over the Champions League despite not actually being dominant in any well, other yeah. sense well to us three in a row and you get to keep the, the trophy kind of making it that, that goal standard achievement uh, or if you win five and obviously Real have won five in a row Ajax have won three in a row Bayern have won three in a row once while one of those European Cups one of those three in a row while they finished I think it was 11th out of 18 teams in the Bundesliga um, this will be the first three in a row since seventy six. Seventy six, yeah. So, in the modern era of football, it's it would be quite a feat. Um, yeah. And you could say, you know, obviously Liverpool have been been quite the force towards the back end of the season, but you know they they probably will see this as a a fairly winnable game where they know they're on on top. Well, it's, I mean, it's more than any other final I can remember. It's kind of two teams completely fired by quote-unquote belief, fate, all the rest of it. Or Well, in Madrid's case, it's outright arrogance because this is a team, as we've discussed, they, they never do that well in the league or they rarely do that well. They've only won one title since 2012. And yet, when they play in Europe, there's just, just utter assurance But no matter what's happening. I was at the events game, you were at the Bayern game, Johnny. No matter what's happening, they just kind of have this inherent trust we're going to get through because we're Real Madrid. And it kind of radiates around the, the, kind of the ground. And then... Um, on the other side, you've got Liverpool, who also have, in, in a different way, they kind of have, they kind of, they know they're not as good as Real, but, like, well, you know, on, on an our incredible day. belief there. Yeah. Can I just say, I mean, I've, there's nothing against, nothing personal, nothing against the pod. Uh, I, I find nothing more, like, soul-numbingly boring than, like, talking about Real Madrid and all their, and all their wins. And, <laughs> and, like, all the things they could win. Oh, like, aren't they great, Real Madrid? They but, but all this, these they're not great, though. Yeah, exactly. Uh, this, this this final, I mean, this final is for me. It's all about Liverpool, and it's it's all about what they've done to get there. Uh, it's about a team from what what we, you talked about last week. There's maybe six or seven teams in the elite, and basically we've assumed that the Champions League will rotate amongst mm. those amongst those teams. Liverpool are not in that. T- they're not in that that group. Nobody at the start of the season would have given them like even the slightest possibility of getting getting <laughs> to this, and they've. You know they've played some great football along the way, and they have the capacity to do something spectacular, which is which is blow the best teams in Europe off the pitch. And uh, I think, yeah, I think this that's why this final kind of excites people in a way that Real, did another Real Atletico, or Real Bayern just wouldn't. 
Do you think all true lovers of football should want Liverpool win? Well, it's easy to be cynical about this kind of stuff, <laughs> and you know, but there's there's thousands of them, thousands of them like going out there without they don't you know, sleeping on people's floors. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm going to be sleeping. You're on not far off. Yeah. I'm, I'm sleeping on somebody's floor. You know, Cy Hughes is going to be sleeping on somebody's sofa. I think he's in there's, a hostel. Is it? Is it? Accommodation was that difficult to get at this late stage? He's in a bloody. He's in a hostel. I'm sleeping on a floor. Sort <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that out. Yeah, the, the, I mean, the whole <laughs> thing, the whole the, 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 the logistics the, side of this has been unbelievably difficult. Yeah, um, more you, difficult than Russia, which has been. Do a you pain think that as well. it's been so bad that UEFA should not give finals to places like Kiev in future? Well, fortunately, they're not going to already. Yeah. So, so this this was these are part of a, basically a less stringent. Um, level of requirements under the old Michel Platini selection oh, yeah, method. Yeah, yeah. So that's changing for next season. I remember talking to someone who went to UEFA after Cardiff last year and he said, yeah, it's something that once it w- once this kind of process passes, we'll be looking. Because I think a huge part of it, basically Champions League is a kind of, a, I don't want to use a term like this, but it's a global mega event, probably the second biggest fixture in sport. And so like, it's got to the point now where one of the biggest one-off events. Yeah, yeah, yeah a, c- a city should have the infrastructure, to, both in terms of travel and accommodation. Even, to if stage that in- it. even if that inevitably means that it will only, you know, it, you you would be limiting yeah. limiting it to London, Paris, Berlin. But that, that, no, 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 no there, there are a lot of cities that can do it. I, I think there are right, a lot of cities. But there's like can... I don't know, ten max, eight. Well, I mean, it, I mean, let's put like to, to flip that question on its head. It is logical though that. Only a city that's big enough to host it should or should host it. It's it's not about not bringing it to right to right. It's just it's just about the the basic logistics. Well, let's count them up. London could. Yeah. London absolutely could. Manchester, Manchester definitely could. Well, Manchester couldn't. Uh, the, the only thing Ma- Manchester, I suppose, is the urban area around it could weather it. Maybe there's uh, like uh, loads of hotels in central Manchester and also in the in the Salford area. I think. Because in Liverpool as well, even around Manchester Airport, like there's. I think I think Manchester would be fine. I think Liverpool couldn't. Manchester no, Liverpool kind definitely of struggled when uh, rock with the um, Super League Grand Final night. Did it? Yeah. I mean, I was there mm. for the UEFA Cup Final when Rangers uh, lost to Zenit. I mean, that was chaos, but a lot of the mm. people weren't staying, I guess. Oh, Manchester, but maybe. I, I think I'd agree. I, I think I'd go lean inside of Manchester no longer. Rome? Yes. Milan? M- Milan. It was tricky to get accommodation in 2016, but just oh, about was enough. A, I mean, it was different, but the thing is, it's one of those where it's like uh, if you book after the semi-finals, it's difficult in every si- every single yeah. city except probably London, Paris, mm. uh, Madrid. Berlin, Berlin, Munich? Madrid, Barcelona, Munich. No, Munich, Munich was difficult. Oh, so. Munich difficult. Yeah, uh, Moscow could I guess. Yeah, Moscow definitely. Could. Athens, Moscow definitely could. Athens, like big tourist cities, Athens, Prague. Uh, uh, Prague think, would Prague. Uh, Prague hasn't got a big enough stadium, I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, w- Warsaw, I think. I think could Vienna just about. could. Zurich, yeah. Vienna. No, Jurgoslav's stadium either. Is it not big enough? No, he's got the... Basel's not big enough? No. Basel really struggled with the Europa League or Liverpool. Stockholm? No, I, don't I, don't, I don't know Marseille. Stockholm well enough. The south of France has got significant accommodation. I, no, I, um, I found it difficult for but, the well, semi-final of the Euros. It's one of the things with, with Kiev. It's the same... Uh, and it's funny because uh, British people naturally are defensive of Cardiff and they say, well, no, you fine, you can stay in Bristol or, or, or London. There are trains. So yeah, right, I'm sure for the Kiev final we could stay in in some sort of fifty mile away town that it, I've never it, heard of. But it doesn't have that surrounding. It's it's more isolated than. But the, the the thing with Cardiff was, the city was completely like bursting. It was just overflowing yeah. with people. There was just too many people in in a small space. And um, one of the great strengths of Cardiff is that the what was the Millennium Stadium is is in the middle. But the city felt too small to be hosting yeah. an event of that size where we had Real Madrid and, and Juve fans coming in from different countries and, and they were 
spilling over. You know, a lot yeah, of them yeah. just slept on uh, in the street. I saw people yeah. sleep in the train station. Does um, oh, Dublin good, couldn't it? No, it's too small. Is it? Yeah, it's too small. Oh, it's the big rugby games and stuff. Right? Yeah, but come on, like, rugby doesn't happen. They'll like, go home it? afterwards. Well, we're to, we're, I mean, whatever about kind of the debate about rugby football, well, we're talking about a global mega event. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I don't think uh, Dublin could. Mm. Um, but like you see the story yesterday, 2000. Uh, Real Madrid tickets have been sent back because of yeah. uh, all of them citing logistics, which is scandalous. When do we think the first Champions League final outside of Europe will happen? It's not far off, is it? Presumably, um, there's no, there's no. It shouldn't happen, but it will, right? Like it'll happen in. It'll oh, be in what's Hong the first Kong, one? Do you, the first one do you reckon the first one will be New Asia York. or New York? I would say New York. The first one will be London. <laughs> <laughs> hey. oh, very good. Mm. No, I, I, th- I, I mean, I could see. And like you know, it's going to happen with everything. So like they will, they will one day probably do a Super Bowl in in London once they worked out the timings. Yeah. And they will one day do a Champions League final in Asia, Qatar, or Beijing, or Korea. Um, it could be anywhere. Could go, I think it could go to Baku under existing. You know, it, it wouldn't have to. It could be in Baku. Yeah. And like presumably, like the Europa League. A topic we Baku, talked a lot about recently is is like a new Super League. Or a new European Super League, which Wenger spoke about in a press conference the other week, and yeah. you know, there's been a lot of reporting recently about this. Presumably, these new tournaments would like be played wherever they can. Sounds make the most like money. they're not going to yeah. go through. Um, FIFA were trying to call an extraordinary meeting. The 2014 like World Club Championship. Yeah, yeah. Well, did Did you read Tariq Panja's piece in the New York Times about the growing influence of Saudi Arabia? Yeah. Well, I've got to say, Tar- Tariq's reporting on this um, in the New York Times has been absolutely yeah. top draw. Um, Fundamentally, the, the, the interesting things are this is Infantino's last year of his reign. Yeah, he ha- uh, he needs to get reelected. To get reelected, basically, you promise people money, and you have to get money from from somewhere. Mm. And uh, he's looking around at all these different ideas, and uh, this consortium of, of Saudi money, yeah. funded by the Japanese bank SoftBank, came to FIFA and said, "Well, we will buy the Club World Cup off you and uh, um, the Confederations Cup, basically, and reorganize them. And the Confederations Cup will become." Um, like a global nations league sort of thing, and the club world cup will happen when the confederations cup used to happen once every four years, twenty fourteen club tournament. Now, why is this important? Because club football is overtaking international football. Yeah. Clubs make crap loads of money, so you could make FIFA would finally be getting a bit of that club pie. Yeah, yeah. They'd be yeah, getting yeah. a bit of that cash. Well, massive, been, can you imagine that tournament? <laughs> it's buns, tidy, tidy, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> is it? Well, uh, <laughs> isn't it? It's a, a bunch of burner. Um, and you're looking at that, and it's like Infantino is going to have like an idea he's got to have an idea to get his money this won't go through because apparently there's too much opposition to it so yeah. now he's scrambling but to what, try and what, find something what was even interesting in that reading Tariq's piece first of all the Saudis are basically one of the main investors in this global club idea yet at the same time so, that, so they're trying to do business with FIFA yet at the same time FIFA are well more, I suppose more so at the AFC under FIFA this, the Saudis have tried to set up this kind of re, this regional power block and FIFA, you know, may have to you know, FIFA basically have to crack down on that. It's 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 against the way they organise themselves. So there's already and at the very start of this kind of Saudi influence, there's these big conflicts. And I think we're about, we're also going to see. I mean, everyone's kind of it's flying under the radar because the World Cup starts on the Thursday, but on the Wednesday, the day before, we're going to have the decision over 2026. That was something else interesting about the piece because I, I suppose we've been. Not worried, but I suppose for so long thinking Morocco could do this. Whereas now, if the Saudis suddenly, as was the implication in Tariq's piece, instruct ten to fifteen federations to vote for the states, then FIFA are trying everything they can to prevent in Morocco. I mean, I mean yeah. there was yeah, talk about them s- being disbarred from even the vote. Yeah, they tried to even at the start of the process. FIFA were trying to um, 
you know, engineer the process in such a way that it wouldn't really be a proper contest. They kind of wanted to skip the contest part of it. And so it would but, just but, go but let's remember, US. Morocco have got a, a history. I mean, not that other countries are innocent in this, but Morocco have got a history of of uh, paying bribes to get votes for World Cup bids. Yeah, um, right. They supposedly, according to one um, FIFA exec, whose name I can't remember, but I wrote about it, um, they won the vote for 2010 over South Africa, and Blatter just saw it and was like, no, no, South Africa's having this one, and just gave it to South Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question and take advantage of 30% off? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com to get 30% off. Select lab-grown diamonds. That's BlueNile.com for 30% off lab-grown diamonds. BlueNile.com. Africa. So... That whole thing is going to be pretty messy. And the difference is huge for Infantino again because the US bid is promising record revenues, which again is all most people care about, whereas the Morocco bid is a developmental Although actually, idea. The, 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 while the US bid has on its side this argument made by, I think, Fox that they would basically give FIFA a lot more money if it mm. went to the US, Morocco's bid is also to do with TV. Like They say that well, because they're basically on... Uh, British GMT, summertime. Yeah, yeah. Therefore, they like it's the most. It would be the most convenient for TV in Europe, Middle East, and Asia. Uh, in it's the like way, one PM kickoffs in in like in Africa in the summer, though. Yeah, yeah, but who cares? Yeah. Who cares? I mean, who cares? I mean but, literally, but, yeah. who cares about the players? <laughs> <laughs> Whereas, like, if you know, if, you're, if you we're having games in uh, in Portland and Vancouver, that would obviously be really bad for yeah. TV in Hong Kong. And that, I mean, that is literally the Moroccan argument. Yeah. Um, uh, obviously, the players would much rather it be in the US, but even and even again with the Moro- like, I've got quite a lot. Of, I think the you know Morocco is an interesting idea for World Cup, but even yeah. even then, you hear these uh, complaints coming from that side saying, "Ah, oh, you know, Donald Trump's tweeting about it. There has to be political interference." Like literally, the king of Morocco <laughs> is behind <laughs> the yeah. Moroccan bid yeah, yeah, and running yeah, the yeah. whole Moroccan bid. Just remember yeah. how, how the English bid for two thousand six went. Oh, Prince William, David Cameron. Yeah, we were, actually, yeah, we're, like, were talking about this the other day. The idea of the three lions: <laughs> yeah. Beckham, Cameron. And, uh, and Prince William. And, and Prince William. William. We, we literally set the future king, <laughs> as well as Cameron and Prince William. <laughs> hey, yeah. Going around glad-handing, yeah. saying to people, you know, I'm sure they would have said, the city of Manchester Stadium looks fantastic. Yeah. And we've, uh, <laughs> well, you right. can get to Manchester Piccadilly in two would hours like, and seven minutes. Do you like the Falklands back, Mr. Grondona? Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. Nicholas Layoz said he, he wanted a knighthood. <laughs> he wanted a knighthood and the FA Cup named after him. I find, yeah, it, I find it remarkable that that, 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 that kind of glad-handing didn't win against the force of... Uh, the nature of the Russian and Qatari bids. Yeah. <laughs> two, two votes. One of them, one of them being Jeff Thompson's, presumably. Hard to know as well uh, what we'll happened with bo- the Russian bid because they just, you know, the compu- they didn't need the computers, so they just destroyed him. We um, can probably sort you tickets for Glyndebourne Festival <laughs> or uh, maybe a box at Lords. <laughs> and uh, all points east, all points east. Have you ever, I don't know if you've ever met James Corden, but he'd be very happy to come and meet you. He's a really fantastic chap. Yeah, yeah. And uh, funny, funny. I got Anton Deck, who you, you could meet, and. Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> Susan Boyle, Susan, the Arctic Monkeys. Yeah, Arctic Monkeys. Monkeys. Who, who was big in 2010? Susan Boyle. Susan Boyle. Uh, Arctic Monkeys. Yeah. Um, um, and then from the much. Oh, what, what's that name of that? Uh, One Direction. Yeah. yeah. There we go. From, from the much. You've hated, had lunch with Damon Albarn. The much hated, <laughs> tyrannical, uh, <laughs> money obsessed uh, giant against the developmental prospect. We returned to Liverpool against Real Madrid, yeah. uh, which we were talking about about half an hour ago, um, <laughs> <laughs> and. Uh, Johnny has, has certainly nailed his, his colours to the mast and they are red uh, on this. This is a Liverpool final, um, not a Real Madrid one. But Real Madrid are, you know, could you say that this is the last final of their big era? Because can you imagine Ronaldo doing one more year of high-level performance? I mean, every, every year we kind of say, like, it gets November. Nah, he's done now, look at him. He's flailing. And then... February, they're playing Paris Saint Germain or Bayern or someone. Yeah, Ronaldo, 70 minute. But this, goal. Is, all, this is all just <laughs> a pre- it again. It's just a prelude to them trying to sign Neymar or something, though, isn't it? Yeah. You know, like, if they do get Neymar this summer, if if they get the big. I know, I know, it's it's been, difficult. It's suggested to me by people who know around the, the Neymar circle that it's now looking unlikely to happen this summer. And in, really in, in January, they were saying. He's, he's gonna, he, it's gonna happen. But now it, I think the logistics are too difficult. He's gonna have a fun time next season when uh, Thomas Tuchel shows up with a massive manual about uh, <laughs> counter pressing positions. Yeah. And uh, Neymar, here's your, uh, <laughs> put this DVD into your laptop and it contains all the different scenarios for different phases of play with and without the ball uh, in certain sectors of the pitch which you need to do so you can take the correct counter-pressing positions depending on which formation we're using at the time. <laughs> and it'll be like, you, you, you what? Yeah. <laughs> you'll, you'll throw it in the pool with all the strippers. Yeah. I'm going to go and try on a massive coat made of gold. <laughs> <laughs> did, did you read that that incredible, was it Diego Torres, yeah. that piece of, where, where, where Unai Emery <laughs> turned up at Neymar's house? Because <laughs> there's party ongoing. He's like, well, I left at 10 p.m. So <laughs> Neymar didn't turn up for training for like three days. <laughs> the guy's having the best time of his life. In it, it is amazing. Why the hell would you sign for Real Madrid when you just do what you want? You just got like. But it, it, there is this danger of him getting getting bored as well. Isn't it? Like this seems to be. A, a Ken made the point in our, on our one of the podcasts that our friends, second captains, that um, the only thing that seems to motivate Neymar is boredom. Like it, it does feel like he's got his entourage around him to sort of control his life. But and the only time he actually takes control. When he asserts himself, basically, nah, I can't be bothered with this. Because I, I heard a story about him at some shoot, and he was about like, he was meant to take a certain amount of time, and I got a lot of it done, and I had to, with some slight delay or something like that, and then it was, but they still had a bit to do, and Neymar just, nah, I'm off. <laughs> <laughs> That'll do. <laughs> You've got enough there. <laughs> but it, it is funny, is it? Because Neymar is one of the most talented footballers I've ever seen, I think, actually, in, in terms of pure talent, he yeah. is incredible. But uh, I was talking to a Brazilian friend about this, and he was saying, as soon as you give these Brazilians a load of money, like they all turn like this, you know. If you like throughout history, look at Ronaldinho. As soon as he gave him all the cash and gave him the freedom the ca- to go and party, didn't do, to be fair, very religious. It wasn't yeah. me. Um, but like, there's such a history of, of like Adriano and the guys who just go off the rails and they go party and then they I can't kind deal of, with the fun. I have to say, like, it's obviously hilarious. Like, obviously, he's such a ridiculous person that yeah. this whole thing is hilarious. So everything he does is, is funny. But I do feel slightly let down. Like I thought yeah. he was, re- I thought he was cool. Yeah. Like in the 2014 World Cup, I thought he was really cool, and he scored that pen against Chile, what in the shootout, yeah. and he was like the only good thing about that awfully dysfunctional yeah. Brazil. And team. the amount of pressure, the amount of pressure. Then, yeah, yeah. And then he went to Barcelona, job. and he was brilliant. Like he absolutely mm. killed it at Barcelona, and was 
part of the best front three in Sensation. history and didn't even play for himself. He was playing for his yeah. teammates and was reveling in playing with Suarez and Messi and being in the best team of all time. And yeah. now he's just a complete twat. That, that, that was the other thing actually about that, that interview that came out recently where it seemed like, because there's been this undercurrent that Neymar was jealous of Messi and he wanted to be his own player. But it seems, no, that's what his entourage wants. Whereas he actually enjoyed just kind of taking the piss with, with Neymar or with Messi and Suarez. Yeah, yeah, I feel like his entourage does have too much sway. Mm. Um, the, the way I see Neymar is he's, he's kind of a he's kind of football's Justin Bieber. <laughs> in, yeah, in, in, are they in too that, much too young? Since since the age of thirteen or fourteen, people have danced to his tune in a way that I guess Ronaldo probably wouldn't. You know, you wouldn't say that about Ronaldo. Yeah, or, or Messi even. He's he's basically been ordering people around ever since his and his teenage years, and and also dealing with all the you know the blowback that comes from from being that huge in a country that into football. And so I think we can't measure him by how we measure ordinary people you know right he, that's fair enough yeah. yeah he's kind of he's he's got to a stage in life where he literally just wants to have as much fun as possible and explore you know the the very outer boundaries of what he can do with his fame and his money yeah. and you know if he if you know like like Bieber occasionally puts out a couple of good tunes a year if he plays you know some good football in you know in the meantime by accident then you know we'll just have to be grateful for that for Neymar is it too late now to say sorry um <laughs> 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 I, I, I think uh, it's a, as ever a very sage point that you make. I think the 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 weird thing with Neymar is that these Brazilian players become like a business around which mm. an entire community sort of forms um, in a way that does, has never happened with Messi. Like even now, Messi's entourage is is tiny. Yeah. It, it's a it's his dad and and his wife, I guess. Um, and even so, she is very like out of the business stuff. And, and Sam Borden from the uh, from the New York Times. <laughs> yeah. Um, was it ESPN, ESPN now? ESPN. ESPN. Yeah, yeah. ESPN. Um, I, thought, right I, I actually thought that was um, an interesting piece because, you know, there's nothing left to be written about Messi because he doesn't say anything. Really? Yeah. So it's like, I'm going to write about how he doesn't say anything. Uh, I, haven't, I haven't read the piece yet, but have you seen the stuff from Argentina in which Messi, t- all these reports about Messi's discussions with San Paoli about where he should play in the team? And it's not an ego thing. It's basically Messi has figured out that if all you play is here, the space on the side of the pitch. It's, it's actually really interesting, like, like the level of tactical... Messi now, he's, like, it's not about him. Like He yeah. wants to win the World yeah. Cup um, for Argentina. But, 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 you could say that is for him. But, but it, the whole yeah. point is he, want, he is willing to sacrifice himself to put that team in the best chance yeah. of winning. Because I think he felt before that his role in that Sabella team was they were giving him the ball and then it was up to him to win it or is actually well um that's not the best use of a good player yeah is yeah it would put me in a great um important role fine but like let's have someone there and let's have someone there i think you know a big problem for them is is that dabala and him couldn't play together yeah. and they really want to try and get them in the same team if they can yeah um it's going to be interesting like, i think i think Messi's going to have a great game in the champions league final Oh, no, hang on, are we still talking about that? Can I, can I just say, like, th- oh, yeah. this is this is how determined we are to avoid talking about Real Madrid <laughs> that we literally we literally talk about, you know, gliding. I know we, we're going to have to give. I get, I get so much abuse from the Liverpool fans when we don't give them enough um, airtime. So um, from one to eleven, Liverpool will start and go with Carrius. You're going to write about Carrius this week, hopefully. Yeah. Um, what your feelings on? on are we going to run through the whole Liverpool team? <laughs> we're going to just have a couple of lines on each player. Oh, really? Yeah. Pen picks. I just, I, it's just an idea I thought up now, so we might as well do it. Garius, um, most average goalkeeper ever to start a Champions League final. That's a good start. Right back, Trent Alexander-Arnold, Jack. Uh, told by Jurgen Klopp that he was in the England squad because Southgate wanted to uh, let let Klopp break the good news. Beautiful. It's actually an interesting. Why it, was that? It's, I, I was, yeah, it's a nice it's, dynamic. Though. I think Southgate was like 
Southgate said managers have to have so many bad conversations with players, like you're dropped, you're sold, yeah. whatever, that he wanted to let Klopp have this good one. That's quite good. There is an interesting argument. Sorry like, falling in love with Southgate. I think Alexander-Arnold could start... I mean, I don't want to make, turn this into an England podcast, but... <laughs> Could start for England ahead of Trippier because yeah. it's going to be one of the two, one of the one of the two of them. And South as Southgate said, like he wouldn't have taken Alexander Arnold unless he was confident in yeah. picking him. And you could argue that Alexander Arnold's probably had a better season than Trippier. Yeah, yeah. If he has a really good a Champions player. League final, I think yeah. it'll be a, yeah. a huge thing. And he's got him. no caps. Not many England players would have started the first game of a World Cup with no caps. Hmm. Did Martin had Martin Kelly played when he went to Euro the Euros? Euro twenty Euro sixteen twenty twelve twenty twelve cry. Did Flan- Flanagan went to? 2014, was it? He had a, he had a great Flanagan team. Flanagan went 2014. Flanny Alves. Um, Centre-backs. So Virgil van Dijk, Miguel. Uh, yes, has... You get what you pay for. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, there is an argument that that was one of the most... For, for Not with peanut butter. The, the more you pay on peanut butter, the worse it is. Uh, that's bollocks. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the, be- the best peanut butter is the supermarket stuff. No, because it's got palm oil in. Uh, okay, well, eth- I, 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 I have no no palm oil in my peanut butter. <laughs> oh yeah, but I've got I've got this really ethical Biona stuff. Jesus, it's like four ninety nine. You've got to stir it. You've got to stir it to, se- to. There's nothing to stir anymore. It's basically like cement. It's like hardened cement. So uh, you, you, you're more of a sunpat man. No, I'm has basically sun-pat given. Li- <laughs> do you not think it's a very Real Madrid thing to do? Go and spend seventy mil on a centre back. Is it? <laughs> well, they spent thirty million on Sergio Ramos yeah, about so, ten yeah. years ago, which is a completely different era when it was mad. He was like nineteen. He was a right back at the time as well, Sergio. What I mean, it's one of those purchases that turns out to be a bit like uh, United spending all that money on Rooney when he was yeah, a teenager. Or you know, Ferdinand. It works out. Actually, do you like Sergio Ramos? I, I, I love I, him. Yes, I, I do. absolutely yeah, love him. Yeah. I think he he's like he he's a hero to so many footballers mm. and kids who play football. Uh, because he's kind of made defending cool, yeah, and not just like you know bringing it out from the back, but he's made like the actual like the physicality of defending yeah. cool and sexy. Like if you see, if you talk to any young defender now at any level of the game, like I was speaking to you know uh, Ben Wilmot at Stevenage yeah. about this, who's you know one of the best young defenders in the country, and he was saying he's telling me how much he loves Ramos. I know even, even like non-league footballers of whom I follow yeah. a lot on Twitter, they're always tweeting about Ramos. Like, oh, I love how he protects his players. Yeah, I love yeah. how he represents his team. I think, yeah, I think he's a. F- I love watching him. Yeah. Uh, I love his Instagram, which is a phenomenon. Like, he did this post <laughs> yeah. the other day where he had like a uh, a picture of Buffon, Torres, and Iniesta. Set, like, oh, the yeah, three yeah. of them ne- next to each other. said, Thank you so much for enlarging and strengthening the game yeah. or something over your careers. He's been an honor to, pl- to play with and against you guys. Uh, he did a post the other day when he'd met David Beckham at some event uh, and the two of them were hugging, and he said something like, met the man with the most tattoos per centimeter of his skin and the man with the most love hmm. in the world and like within about five minutes i had 1.3 million likes is that, is that your like, ambition kind of swiftly realized i'm never going to get good content 1.3 million content. likes for all of my instagram posts put together but he's <laughs> yeah like i he's such a he's such an interesting engaging guy yeah. like i think i, like I know he plays for real madrid and stuff but i want i want him to do well and i and I, I immense I, respect for him because mm. he's a He's a very good defender, but he's actually got a lot of flaws. Yeah. But he covers them incredibly well, which is half the half the battle, really, in being a player, isn't it? And, uh, yeah. Another and thing about him, where I kind of thought really changed my mind about him, and it's quite a simple thing, maybe, but 2012, missed, absolutely skied the penalty that got Madrid knocked out of the Champions League when they hadn't won one for ages. Then in that Euros, takes one of the decisive penalties against Portugal, tries the same thing, chips it into the corner. It's meant, like, 
Uh, mentality obviously Top is man. a key part of, a, of an elite footballer, yeah. and and he is always the player. Like in Spanish, their their term is like to give face. Like basically, mm. it's fronting up yeah, yeah. after a bad result, and it's always him, absolutely always him. He's also the most Spanish bloke of all times. He said, "If I wasn't a if, if you weren't a footballer, what would you be?" And he said, "I'd, I'd probably be a bullfighter." It's like, yeah, if he hadn't, if he hadn't have smashed in that header in the last minute yeah. of twenty fourteen final, we wouldn't be, we'd be having a very different conversation yeah, today. Yeah, like yeah. that, that kind of that launched this great era of, yeah, Real, yeah, of yeah. Real Madrid, like brilliance and also kind of supreme self confidence in all situations. Yeah, and were it not for that, I mean, God knows who would have won that the last so, two Champions League: Bayern, yeah. City, whoever, whoever. Um, so he's like a big he's a he's a big figure in the history of the game. There's that great footage from after the the second leg of the semi final where he basically goes goes in amongst the the Madrid fans and starts you know I think I think somebody hands him a beer or something and and, then, and he's getting involved in all the in all the chants um, which Miguel could probably. Probably, Do you remember that, that clip from when I think when I think Real Madrid beats I think Real Madrid beats Sevilla in a big game like a year or two ago yeah. when San Paulo was manager of Sevilla and Ramos goes up to San Paulo afterwards and gives him a big hug and you know because it's on Spanish TV mm. they've like guessed what they were saying and he was saying something like uh, football be- it was something incredibly Sergio Ramos like football belongs to you <laughs> football belongs to yeah. the men with the big balls yeah but I, I do like the way and Ramos is clearly someone as well who is very invested in both football as a sport. And the identity of his club—it's not, yeah, just, it's yeah, not yeah. just a job to him in that way. Yeah, completely. And mm. I think that's that's one of the reasons why he's so appealing to people who, mm. you know, are not Spanish or Real Madrid fans. Yeah. He has these really strong strands. Basically, that the Castilian Spanish strand, the the masculinity. He's, he's yeah. incredibly like everything about him is all about being that hyper masculine bloke, yeah. which is a kind of part of Spanish society as the well. Kind of, yeah. The ma- ma- Do you think he? Or the, the, well, I was thinking about this earlier about comparing him and John Terry because obviously John Terry represents a strand of like English the British bulldog, yeah, yeah, and English like pride in being English and also pride in his it, club. Is is Ramos like simply a Spanish equivalent of the same? Uh, to me, Terry's seems much more performative. I think it comes more naturally to so. Sergio Ramos. Yeah, I think there's an element of, of performance to, to Ramos as well, yeah. but. But I think it's a good, ana- I think it's a good analogy. I, I, but I think Sergio Ramos was a far. I think Terry made a lot more out of uh, limited ability that and Ramos, yeah. who who's a yeah. genuinely talented footballer. I say he does have flaws, but but Sergio Ramos has been a great defender for like ten years, and and he's got what, every and in, trophy, two, in two different every in two different positions trophy. as well. Like it's in, in, when Spain won the World Cup in twenty ten, he was a right back, and then the next tournament he forms a partnership with PK. And, and as a bloke, I would say. You know, Ramos is streets ahead. Yeah, by the, by the looks of it. We'll, we'll, um, we'll just carry on whipping through that Liverpool team. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, who's going to start? Other centre back, Lovren. Lovren, yeah. Uh, Lovren, um, did you read about him with that trial in Croatia? You know, the head oh, of the yeah. Croatian FA. That guy's going to and um, oh, yeah. that someone left a piece of paper on the side, and it was um, what Lovren had been instructed to testify. So uh, he's got some interesting off-field stuff going on. Um, will he be able to cope with the Real Madrid front line? Well, Van Dijk beside him, it's looked like he's been yeah. he's been better. But he's, mm. I mean, he's. I've never seen a really high level defender let the ball go over his head as much as Lovren. Yeah, Liverpool have been really solid since since around the turn of the year. Well, yeah, since since Van Dijk uh, has come in, and so all this kind of you know this remnant of people saying, well, they're they're still slightly shaky at the back, which we did see during the Roma game. It, it's it's not actually been the story of Liverpool's second half of the season, really. It, it's more been just. The lethal attack, I guess. Yeah, yeah, uh, that, and that's where all the attention goes. Jordan Henderson, Robertson, Andy Robertson. Oh, Sorry, yeah. I, I've got left back. Andy Robertson, hero, one of the, one of the hero, yeah, yeah. heartwarming stories of the year. Uh, yeah, 
campaign. Well, he was at what, Queen's Park, was it? Five years Queen's ago? Queen's Park. It's quite a rise. And, and, and he's been kind of one of the, the real successes. You need to have the low price guys that, that really explode as well mm. as paying the big money for players. And, and they paid, what, eight million for him and he's turned out to be an outstanding left back. Jordan Henderson, uh, yeah, I, th- I mean he's he, he's turned into a kind of into the real leader of the team in a way yeah. which I expected. A fantastic interview with Ollie Holt in the Mail on Sunday the other day talking about leadership. I think so much so that if he, you think he, pr- sorry, I, I'm not I'm not going to make this into England again. Um, <laughs> Does he start for England for you? Uh, I think he kind of has to. I think he, even if it's down to him or Eric Dyer, it would you choose Henderson. He's going to yeah. be skipper, isn't he? Probably, I think. Uh, yeah, I'd say so. I think I think he'll start as captain, mm-hmm. even if it means benching Dyer. And who, who will start alongside Henderson in midfield for Liverpool? Uh, Milner and Wijnaldum, yeah. I guess, because Chan seems to be frozen out, right? Well, he's, he's going to Juventus. Lallana is... Genie Wijnaldum. It's a good chance. Is he injured still? No, Lallana's all right. No, Lallana's going to be on the bench, yeah. I'd expect. Probably surely not fit enough. So, so Milner um, plays a crucial role in that team because he's just so versatile. He yeah. just kind of fills every hole. Little soldier legs. <laughs> so that's a Barney Rone line. Little soldier legs. Um, Ginny Wijnaldum has been surprisingly do, do, good. Do, I mean, do, do. he was good at Newcastle, we thought, but then he's actually kind of kicked on. It's incredible what Liverpool have done with these kind of off-cuts off of elite. So Ginny Wijnaldum was getting you know, relegated with, with, with Newcastle. 15 mil, was it? Yeah. yeah. Like, you, you should do a piece on this, actually. It's true, but what Liverpool has actually done... Robertson got relegated Robertson with Hull City. Robertson got relegated with Hull City. Um, this is underrated, actually. What club's job has actually been magnificent here. Lovren was like fine at Saints in mid table. Nobody thought nobody thought Mane was going to be like this this yeah. good. Everybody thought you know he's a decent player, but it felt like a little bit of an overpay. I thought at yeah. the time. At the time, I didn't think that. Yeah. Um, and when and when they got Firmino, like yeah. Well, someone at Hoffenheim told me that was an overpay. You know that really? they said he's never going to be a top top well, striker. It was like I remember there was lots of criticism of the transfer committee yeah, and yeah, yeah. Edwards and how Liverpool were doing. And part of the argument was like, they spent £30 million on Roberto Firmino. I, I was at the Copa America that, when they signed them and he was playing for Brazil. And like it was hard. Like you're kind of watching it. That was, it was a dreadful Brazil team uh, who did awfully. And so that's probably some of the context. But you're kind of looking at Firmino and saying, where does this guy play? He's, yeah. he's okay. Like, but Who should start for Brazil? Firmino or Gabriel Jesus? That's okay. well, I'm biased. So I recuse myself from this conversation. Uh, I still, I'd still start Jesus. Jesus. What about Neymar? <laughs> uh, Neymar's probably going to play number 10, I think. Well, then you'd probably go Jesus. Because I think Firmino's role at Liverpool is... is and the reason why people didn't really see where he'd fit in is that he he had this very strange role there, which is almost kind of unique to the... He's world. a 9.5. He's a 9.5, yeah. Mm. He's like a... There are managers, who, there there are managers who wouldn't be able to use him. You, you know, you, like, you can pretty yeah, much pick him out. R- R- Rodgers probably couldn't. Actually, I would have thought he should have been a Rodgers player because he's kind of play between the lines and all that. A what? Yeah, I thought he was Brendan. Brendan. Oh, right, Roger, yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, who else have we missed? Oh, Mohamed Salah, apparently he's quite good. Yeah. Any well, it's interesting thoughts? on the, uh, I think we might have touched on this before, but in the comparison with Neymar is that when, like, when Neymar will have, when Neymar joined PSG, his like, kind of dream vision for the season would be mm. scoring, br- scoring like shed loads of goals, breaking an individual goal scoring record for the league. Um, like it's through his own brilliance, guiding his team, to the Champions League final. Uh, and yet, Salah has basically had the season that Neymar yeah. would have hoped for. Yeah. Salah has proven that he's kind of got the... I mean, humility is probably the best word for yeah. it. He's got the humility to make the most of his talents for, like, a functional team yeah. and 
has, therefore has actually the best chance of breaking history of making history this year. And as Ed pointed out off air before the podcast, that could really be the tactical key to this final. Salah. I think we're going to have to do that piece. I, I, I mean, someone's going to have to watch those games because he it, I, and it was Zidane as well. It's Zidane's Real Madrid, um, and he destroyed them for Roma. Roma. He he. But he missed all. And again, this, and is, this, this shows is his thing. rise. He missed. He, he missed or fluffed so many opportunities, mm. like put the pass in the wrong place or, or put the shot wide or whatever, or a good save by Kayla Navas. But that gap between Marcelo and, and Sergio Ramos, he diced it mm. all day long in both legs. So, um, shall, shall I do that? Shall I bin off carrier? Shall I do that? I think it's more interesting. I, I think it'd be a really interesting piece. You should watch both legs. Just watch both legs of that yeah, yeah, quarterfinal. Yeah. I think it's quarterfinal. Um, and yeah, I, I think, and that's why I do think Liverpool could win because Real Madrid almost are going to have to try and play on a deeper line to counteract well, them. I think this is like the big question is that how do you defend like, against Salah? Is it, like, there's a way to frustrate Liverpool, and there's a way to play into their hands. And are Real Madrid, does Real Madrid's arrogance mean that they will play into Liverpool's hands? Like, are they are they smart enough to deny themselves that kind of expansive performance and actually do the clever thing? Well, this this comes down to basically this idea we talked about of belief arrogance. But Real Madrid are either confident enough or arrogant enough. You like to think if it comes to a shootout, we'll win. Mm. Which what, what I would do if I was Real Madrid, this is not what mm. Zidane would do, but what I would do is I would play deeper because I think Liverpool's biggest threat, as we've seen in these big games, is is that counter. Mm. I'd play deeper so there's not much space behind Ramos and Marcelo, and you know Varane is one of the quickest covering defenders in the world, but I don't want to leave much space, and then play Ronaldo as a centre forward, and then Bale and Asensio on either side, and you counter them because they won't be able to deal with that sort of speed. You know, when Bale gets going, when Asensio gets going, I think you let Liverpool come forward and, and spring them. It won't be what Klopp's expecting. So which midfielder would you drop? I would play Casemiro, Modric and Isco Kroos? in there. No, Kroos. Oh, sorry. God, Kroos. Yeah, Isco's got to go. Yeah, fine. <laughs> I, I mean, I think... That, uh, Madrid, this season, Madrid have come closer to getting done than ever before. Like, in the sense that they were on the brink against Juve, on the yeah. brink against Bayern... Can Liverpool actually we've been on the push brain. them over the edge? We're three 0 down to Wolfsburg after the first leg. You know, like a couple oh, of seasons ago. Like we've had this. We've was it two 0 though? I kind of we kind of three 0 I think it was. They, they won. I think it was. No, no, it was three one, and then they won three 0 yeah. Ronaldo yeah. scored the the hat trick. But you know, they always go to the brink and, and come back. But it's possibly that they need to. I don't know. They don't need to change things up. They, you know, they always mm-hmm. win, but. I would be interested to see how how they do it. Got to uh, take a note of all this from a yeah, preview. We, we probably need to uh, wrap things up soon because we've been here for about two hours. Oh Jesus! I think yeah, I'm not going to make it. Where are you? I'm not going to make it to Lords. No, you yeah, was it to half twelve? No, it's twelve. It's oh, okay. 12. Oh, no. It's uh, listeners. It's currently eleven forty nine. Yeah, it's currently eleven forty nine, and I I need, I need to be at Lords at the ECB offices uh, for twelve, which is not going to happen. Um, but we will say. Uber, uh, Uber go, go, go. Should we do a prediction for each? You, you, you want to predict it? I think whoever scores first will lose. Will lose? Yeah. Okay, I like that. Jacko? Um, I'm going to go for, for Liverpool. I've been convinced. I think, I think so as well. Again, in spite, in spite of myself. I'm going to say 4 2 to Liverpool. If that's the case, it will be the first time both clubs in a Champions League final have scored more than one goal since. I think this is going to be... Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. 3-11, Istanbul. Yeah. While Johnny's thinking, or, or just got it right, I think the fact that it's an attack, like, should be an attacking final is, is basically why 
lots of people will care a lot more about this yeah. one. I think it's going to be really interesting mm. from that point of view. Obviously, two clubs that would consider themselves European royalty as well. So we look forward to that. And uh, I guess we'll be around next month, Tuesday, after the bank holiday, to discuss that with the returning uh, Ukrainians to my left and right. And also Jack, who's going to be at the Championship Playoff Final. Oh, yes. So we will have either Fulham or Aston Villa as a Premier League team next time we speak. But until that point, all I have to do is thank uh, Johnny for your time today. You're welcome. Miguel. Thank thank you. you. Jacko, thank you. My pleasure. And all the listeners as ever. um, If you've made it this far, then we really value you. So uh, (laughs) thank you very much. And we'll see you next week. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Jesse Cruikshank. Jesse Cruikshank. I host the number one comedy podcast called Phone a Friend. Girl, let's phone a friend. Not only do I break down the biggest stories in pop culture with guests like Dan Levy and members of InSync, I do it with my own personal boy band singing jingles throughout because it's my show. It's your show, girl. New episodes of Phone a Friend. Yeah. Drop Thursdays wherever you get your podcasts. So work it, girl. Yeah, work it. Okay, that's enough. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.